On today's show, Terry Stott stepping down as a Bucks assistant coach after a weird incident at practice. Plus, how are Giannis and Dame looking as the NBA's newest superstar duo? Are the Boston Celtics more ready than they've ever been in the Jason Tatum era to win a championship with the additions of Kristaps Porzingis and Drew Holiday? And lastly, the Memphis Grizzlies losing their big man, Steven Adams, for the entire season. How much does this loss hurt the Grizzlies? And are we in store for an all-star season from Desmond Bain? It's all coming up right here at Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase and as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you so much for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Bucks, Kane Pittman, who you can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Bucks and Kane, a little bit of weirdness out of Milwaukee this past <laughs> week. Uh, Terry Stotts stepping down as an assistant coach with the Bucks after an incident with Adrian Griffin at shoot-around or at practice. And uh, it's kind of like this weird situation where apparently Griffin had, you know, ended practice and, you know, wanted the coaches to come over and do like a coach's huddle. And Stotts was like, no, I'm going to go talk to Dame and Giannis about the offense on this side of the court. And then there was like an altercation, like, and Griffin wound up yelling at Stotts to like come over and join the coach's huddle. And those are kind of all the specifics we got in the, in the reporting from Sham Sharani of the athletic. But I mean, is this a situation that like should be worried about or should there maybe be concerns? Like I, I kind of don't know how to like tackle this situation. It was just kind of weird on all sides. Right. It was very weird and it was very unexpected only a week before opening night as well. So just based on the pure timing of this uh, event and Terry starts stepping aside, um, you can't say that it's ideal. Uh, obviously reading that report, I also find it pretty hard to believe that there was one argument between a head coach and assistant coach and all of a sudden they part ways. Maybe there were some differences along the way and maybe a, a potentially likely scenario is Terry Stotts has not been an assistant coach in the NBA for over 10 years. Uh, maybe he got into the job, got into the grind, started to travel for some preseason games and thought, I'm not ready to be an assistant coach. Maybe he will be a head coach down the line. So there's lots of different ways uh, that this could have uh, potentially got to this point. But I uh, will say this, bringing in a first-time head coach, even someone with as much experience as Adrian Griffin has, there was certainly a level of excitement and and maybe a little bit of comfort from Bucks fans knowing that you had someone with so much experience uh, to the side of Adrian Griffin and Terry Stott. So uh, from that perspective, uh, surely there are some Bucks fans that are a little disappointed with the result. And I wonder too, you know, ultimately, you know, Damian Lillard has spoken about how the situation played out and he's, you know, expressed his, you know, maybe not frustrations, but just that he's disappointed in how it worked out because he was excited to have Terry Stotts there, his longtime head coach from his Portland Trailblazers days, having a familiar face within the organization to help with this transition for him. So, I, you know, hopefully this doesn't, I guess, adversely impact him and this transition now getting used to his new role with the Bucks. It was interesting because Lillard obviously has only had two or three weeks in Milwaukee and two or three weeks with Terry Stotts. And he did say that well, now I'm feeling a little more comfortable in my surroundings. It certainly happened, uh, helped for the first couple of weeks, but now uh, we move on. But 
it's not like the Bucks hired Terry Stotts after they acquired Damian Lillard. It's not like Damian Lillard said, I want to go to Milwaukee to play under Terry Stotts, the assistant coach. So I don't think that that's going to matter uh, ultimately too much for this team. But the big uh, thing to look at will just be the offense. And Terry Stotts was tasked with uh, running the offense for this team. And maybe it was going to help with some familiarity with Damian Lillard there. But what does the Bucks' offense look like? And is this a big impact for the team and a big stress for Adrian Griffin? We might find out early in the season, depending on how they're looking. And at this point, are there any plans? Do the Bucks have any plans to go out and source a new assistant in place of Terry Stotts? Or are they just kind of playing things by ear at this point? Yeah, it's interesting. There hasn't been too much out of Milwaukee so far, too much reporting. But uh, we are of the understanding that it was the Bucks that perhaps liked the idea of having some veteran coaches alongside Adrian Griffin, whether it was Terry Stotts. Uh, Joe Prunty is still there as well, a longtime assistant and one-time uh, interim coach of the Milwaukee Bucks uh, a few seasons ago there as well. So there is still some experience, uh, but it's tough. A week before opening night, there aren't too many teams that are generally looking for an assistant coach at this time of year. So it'll be fascinating to watch. You mentioned the offense and, you know, the role that Stotts did, you know, was going to have in kind of orchestrating and conducting that offense for Milwaukee. I'm curious your thoughts on just to this point. We've seen them through a handful of preseason games, the NBA's new hottest duo in Giannis and Dame. How have they looked playing with one another through the preseason so far? It's been a work in progress, it's fair to say. And look, they didn't play major minutes through the preseason, only three games together on the floor. Uh, so far, Dame has not been efficient scoring a ball, which I'm reliably told from many Portland Trailblazers reporters and fans that this happens every year in the preseason. <laughs> uh, it's fascinating because Dame says that he doesn't play five and five in the offseason. We know Giannis doesn't really work out with other players and get involved in these scrimmages. And I think they're both shaking off some of the rust so far and figuring out how to not step on each other's toes. And I think Damian Lillard in particular was definitely looking to facilitate a lot more. He was playing off the ball a lot more. And I think that he'll find his comfort zone and begin to become more aggressive looking to score for this team. And that's ultimately uh, when they're going to reach their true potential. When both Giannis and Damian Lillard feel comfortable playing aggressive basketball on the offensive side of the ball, I don't think it's quite there yet. Uh, but as we said, they played a total of about 40 minutes together. And out of those 40 minutes, though, and obviously some of it looking a little clunky with the rust and whatnot, any new wrinkles or any elements, you know, between those two as a duo on the court that you notice, hey, like this is kind of new or this is something that maybe they weren't able to do in the past with previous personnel? Yeah, well, we've seen them both speak about it a lot. And there's been so much talk about what does the pick and roll game look like with Damian Lillard and Giannis? And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch the opposition defenses make choices and make decisions. And Giannis, after the first preseason game against the Lakers, was almost smiling and laughing, saying, I've, I've never seen this before. They're double teaming one of my teammates from the first possession of the game in preseason. I'm catching the ball in the free throw line. And yes, the help is coming quickly, but I don't have two guys draped all over me while I'm trying to catch the ball. So I think both guys are going to find in stretches that they just have more space to room than uh, more uh, space on the floor to move than they've had in previous seasons. So certainly that pick and roll game is the feature. And the other point is whether it's, Chris Milton, who we only saw 10 minutes of in the preseason, Brooke Lopez, Malik Beasley, who's been getting up a lot of threes. These other guys are getting wide open shots. Now, they haven't exactly knocked them down to this point, um, but you can see the idea of how this offense can function. What do you envision being the biggest, or not necessarily envision, but what is just the biggest question for this Bucks team going into this season? Obviously, there's some, you know, how does the Giannis Dame duo fit, right? Adrian Griffin is the first-time head coach. Like, what is the the biggest question, though, for this team this year? Certainly on the defensive side of the ball, you lose Drew Holiday, who, you know, in my opinion, is the best perimeter guard defender 
in the league. So if you take away Drew Holiday, uh, before that, the Bucks had Eric Bledsoe. And I know Eric Bledsoe is much maligned, but he was an all-defensive player during those years with the Bucks. So for the first time since Giannis has been in this MVP portion of his career and Brooke Lopez has been there as an elite rim protector, the Bucks don't have an elite guard defender. They don't have one on the roster and they're trying to mix and match now and see what the lineups look like. I think the fifth starter is going to be a question. It looks like maybe Malik Beasley is going to be that guy, but can Pat Connaughton get in the mix there? Is Jay Crowder going to be someone they look at? And Marjan Bochamp in his second year, there is uh, certainly a lot of optimism around him. So defensively, how this team can hold up on the perimeter is going to be a big watch. Now, I know I teed you up there in the very beginning, Kane, as our locked-on Bucks expert, but unfortunately, you'll be passing along the reins to a pair of, I I'm, I'm, can only guess, uh, very accomplished, very uh, capable hosts in your stead with your last episode coming this upcoming week. I believe you said something about the final post-game, the opening night of the season, but give us your, your elevator pitch, your, your sales pitch for the new hosts of locked-on Bucks coming down the pipeline. Well, I can only talk about my personal experience. And Jackson, you know this, doing a daily podcast, there are times when you're searching for someone to come onto the show and and provide the insight. And I've spent a lot of my four years at Lockdown in Australia due to travel restrictions and lots of reasons why I've had to leave Milwaukee. So Justin Garcia is on the Bucks Radio Network pre and post game show and analyst in game. He's around the team. He's going to take over. And Camille Davis, who has been on Lockdown Bucks for a number of years, hosts a number of other podcasts as well. She's very accomplished, big Bucks fan her entire life. So two people that are around the team and have saved me a lot over the last few years when I'm desperate for a co-host and they would always come on. So I think the show is going to go to another level. I feel very confident that they will continue the trajectory. Well, whatever happens with this Giannis-Dame duo this season, you won't have us covered. Camille and Justin will have us covered. But Kane, thank you for your final pit stop here at Locked on NBA. Thanks so much for stopping by, man. Always been a pleasure, man. Coming up, are the Boston Celtics more ready than they've ever been in the Jason Tatum era to win a championship with the additions of Kristaps Porzingis and Drew Holiday? We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. We've all been there. You're on a clunky ticketing app and you can't even you can't even tell what kind of seats you're getting or you go this is my least favorite. You punch in all your information, you go to hit submit, and then for some reason it all erases and you have to redo it all. You don't have to deal with any of that fuss anymore with game time game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater events happening near you game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase you can see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive they've got all in prices and the total is up front so you know exactly what price you're paying you know you're getting a great deal without those hidden fees that pop up later on You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. It is that simple. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday, it's that wonderful time of year again. The Locked On Ultimate NBA Season Preview Show is here, a six-episode series with all 30 of our Locked On NBA team shows. From contenders all the way to tankers, we go in-depth into the biggest storylines heading into this NBA season. Catch all six episodes on Locked On NBA on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.
Joining us now is the host of Locked On Celtics, John Corrales. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Celtics. And John, preseason coming to a close. So walk us through how does this Celtics team look? How do they feel now with their two marquee acquisitions from this past offseason in Kristaps Porzingis and Drew Holiday taking their place on the floor alongside Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum? I, I, I'll put it this way. I've never been more confident in a team heading into a regular season than than this group right here um since i've been covering the 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 league so um things look really good uh christops porzingis looks to be a game changer because he's not trying to do so much he's not trying to create off the dribble i haven't seen him actually try to create off the dribble once uh and and he does he doesn't feel like he has to do a, a ton all he has to do is set screens and read it roll pop like you'll get you'll get the alley oop if you're open. You'll if you pop, you'll get wide open shots. The talent level is so great uh, in that top six for Boston that when they're on the floor together, uh, the whichever five you want to throw out there, they open so much up that I think everybody just feels like yeah, we're gonna go play ball and figure it out. And everybody, anybody who has a big night like it'll come organically and Celtics have been lacking that uh they they need they need that attitude they've needed that attitude and uh I I just I know it's only preseason and everybody's optimistic in the preseason but this preseason has gone pretty perfectly for the Celtics preseason is the best time of year where everybody including the Houston Rockets are championship contenders no <laughs> okay uh maybe no, mean, we, maybe, we won't, maybe we won't go that far I mean <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. Look, you mentioned Porzingis, right? And how he's a game changer for the Celtics team. Any, yeah. I mean, anything stand out about Drew Holiday so far to this point? Yeah, because he's, he, he can come in. He doesn't need any, any plays run for him. Right. Uh, but he will take the shot that's there. He has the green light to shoot early offense, right? Like the Celtics are big proponents of early offense. Come down. If your defender is slacking, if if he's two steps below the three point line and you're you're bringing the ball up, let it fly, and he's fine with that. And he can still get to the rim. He can still uh, run the offense. He can play off the ball. I, I think everything that Holiday has shown has been consistent with the Drew Holiday that we know. And I'll tell you, my conversations around the team. We talk about like just different guys, and when Holiday's name comes up, people's eyes light up. They're like, "Let me tell you about this pit bull in practice, and how he changes things, and how he pushes people." And that that's a dynamic that they, I mean, sure they've they've had it with Marcus Smart, but he's he's in there to do a job. It's it's a very serious kind of, hey, look, we're trying to win a championship, and. That attitude, it's infectious. You talk about, we talk about vibes all the time. It's the Celtics talk the talk a lot over the past few years. Now, when they talk, it's more like that, that confidence. They don't walk into the bar announcing, uh, you know, hey, anybody who wants a fight, come get it. They walk into the bar and if somebody steps up, they go, that's nice. Go enjoy your night. So there's no trouble here. And I'm going to go along my way. They're just like that confidence of like, don't even, we're not going to start anything. Just let everybody know we're ready to finish it. If you try, just don't try. 
Wow. I, I, I mean, if, if that's what Drew Holiday's bringing, if, all, if, if, uh, if that plus everything else you bring on the court. I am curious, though. I mean, we've, we've discussed this before, the idea of who the fifth starter for the Celtics was going to be, right? And it was kind of between Al Horford, Derek White. It seems like Joe Missoula has decided to go with the idea of Al Horford, you know, this as the sixth man, right, coming off the bench. Does that uh, – there, so there's kind of a two-part – two-parter here for you, John. Does that mean, A, is Derek White now your potentially your primary facilitator for the for the starters, or is it more just his facilitating is something that unlocks a little bit more for the starters, and he's still going to rely on Drew Holiday a little bit, Tatum, is it still going to be playmate by committee? And then the second part is, why is Al Horford as the sixth man the right choice for this team? So the first question, I think I think the answer to all of your questions is yes. It's it, weirdly... Um, Derek White will be the primary initiator a lot um, because he can do it. And he's, he's really, is it fair to the, say of the starters on the Celtics, he's the best playmaker. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a stretch. I don't think that's a stretch. Um, you know, Tatum, Tatum might be like, well, you know, let's, let's have that discussion uh, <laughs> because he's, he, and, and let me tell you, Tatum has been working in the post with Sam Cassell and they're really looking towards Jason Tatum in the post being an integral integral part of the Boston Celtics offense where he can posting up is essentially a paint touch. And when Jason Tatum does it back to the basket and, and you kind of see the entire floor, people don't realize like when you're, when you're there, you can see where all of your teammates are. It's kind of a weird thing. He can facilitate out of that. So that will be one way they do it, which is why the other answer to your question is when you say by committee, that's also yes. So is Derek White their best playmaker? Maybe. And he can make a case for that. His uh, early chemistry with Kristaps Porzingis has been great because he's got a great floater game. So in a pick and roll, he forces the big to step up uh, a little higher. And Porzingis just gets behind that big. And and, and now they, they've connected on a few alley-oops. Uh, but like I said, Holiday can do it. Tatum is definitely going to do some. Uh, Jalen Brown had a uh, has had a six assist game in the preseason. He's not a big assist guy normally. If that's a precursor for what his season is going to be, if Jalen Brown is going to go out there and get you four or five assists a night, then that would be an amazing kind of development for the Celtics. So by committee, yes. With Derek White through stretches, yes. Al Horford off the bench, yes. Like all of those guys in the top six, minus Kristaps Porzingis, will be. Uh, will have opportunities to be facilitators. Now, why is Al Horford the best choice to to start on the bench? He's older, so you limit his minutes a little bit more that way. And you also get to keep shooting on the bench. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, keep shooting at the five all, all game long. You can go double big, and you can have stretches of double big when you want it. But generally speaking, if those guys are kind of staggered the whole game for, or most of the game, you have a five that can step out to the corner and spread the floor. So that that's a big element to what the Celtics want to do. Get those driving lanes. Um, I know they want to shoot a ton of threes and they will, but they still do want to get to the the rim and, and spreading the floor with that five as a shooter as much as possible is going to be the way they do it. I know it's preseason. You take everything with a grain of salt. We, I feel like we always have to put these notes out there when we're talking like reacting right. preseason, whatever. I say it right. at least like three times an episode. Like it's preseason, but, and like this is what we got. Um, we talked about the Celtics kind of morphing their identity to more match Joe Missoula, right? The heavy yeah. three-point shooting, the more offense-focused, you know, leaning into that identity a bit more. They have the third best offense in preseason, not counting 
Real Madrid per NBA.com. But so, <laughs> so third best NBA offense during NBA preseason. Uh, and also, though, the 11th best defense. I, I don't know if I was expecting maybe a bit more of a drop off defensively, but by, you know, by virtue of leaning more into an offensive focus or an mm-hmm. offensive philosophy. Are you surprised at all with, with how they've kind of carried themselves through these the early part of this preseason? Well, I think I think they have the potential to be a really good defensive team. Their defense is is behind their offense, but you know that that last preseason game against Charlotte, they had 22 steals. So that was a ridiculous kind of performance, aided by the fact that it was against Charlotte, and Charlotte, you know, is Charlotte. So uh, there's sorry Hornets, fans. Charlotte catching strays. Locked on Hornets going to have an issue with this. Nah, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, they. I think the Celtics, they they still need like work on both sides. It's not going to be seamless right off the bat. Um, they they had a weird preseason schedule: three games and four nights, then five days off, then you know, uh, two two games and three nights, and then now they have another five games off before they they start the regular season. So they have a few weeks of October November basketball to kind of work on some of these things, but their emphasis is forcing turnovers uh, and offensive rebounding. And so I think their defense has a chance to be top five. I think their offense has a chance to be top five. Hell, they, if they ended up number one in both this season, wouldn't shock me one bit uh, because I think they have the potential to to be a, a very high turnover causing team uh, and, and get a lot of points that way and, and put teams on their heels. And once teams are on their heels, uh, they start kind of being their own worst enemy. So Celtics offense for sure will be elite. I think their defense has a chance to be that too. Kristaps uh, Porzingis as a, a rim protector is, is a little underrated and working within the confines of this system. I think the Celtics are, are, are trying to, uh, Try new uh, curveballs, as Joe Mazzula calls them. They're working on a full court press, uh, maybe a little touch of zone here and there. So there's 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 strong potential there. Maybe not right away, but there's the potential for um, even if they're top whatever defense by the end of the season, it could be like post All Star break they were number one. Okay, how will Drew Holiday and Christoph Porzingis continue to integrate themselves as members of the Boston Celtics? Will the Celtics be able to be a top five and potentially a top top five defense and top five offense this season? You all have us covered for all of that and so much more over at Locked on Celtics. John, appreciate you stopping by Locked on NBA with me. You got it, man. Coming up, the Memphis Grizzlies lose their big man in the middle, Steven Adams, for the entire season. How much does that loss hurt? And are we headed for an all-star season from Desmond Bain? We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get into the action this NFL and NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $200, 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed When you place just a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, and all you have to do is wager five bucks. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. In fact, you can take a look at the outright betting favorites for the NBA's championship this season. You got the Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks both at plus 380, and then you've got the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns both at plus 550, and then in distant fifth place, the LA Lakers at plus 
1300. So for those odds and so many more, whether it's spreads, player props, over-unders, be sure to check out FanDuel. The app is so incredibly easy to use with a wide range of betting options. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on for the NFL season and the NBA season right around the corner. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week. Shout out to all of our everydayers here at Locked On NBA as we have Matt Moore and David Ramil on Tuesday previewing the NBA's opening night slate of games. John Corrales and Jake Madison on Wednesday recapping all the opening night action. Nick Angstad and Pat the Designer on Thursdays. And of course, Wes Goldberg and Adam Mares rounding out the lineup on Fridays. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Grizzlies, DeMichael Cole, who you can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Grizzlies. Now, DeMichael, it's been a day for Grizzlies fans here. Some really unfortunate news. Steven Adams out for the entire year. Going to require right knee surgery for that knee that he's been dealing with since this past January. I guess originally... You know, they elected to go the non-surgical route with some rehabilitation. Doesn't seem that that really cut it, unfortunately. We saw him in a couple preseason games, but now he's going to be gone for the entire year. How big a loss is this for the Grizzlies to not have Steven Adams now moving forward? It's huge. Uh, uh, when you talk about ripple effect, like just just total impact on player 1 through, you know, 12 on the roster or 1 through 15, uh, he, his impact on the Grizzlies matches up arguably with anyone on the entire team. And to some people that don't watch the Grizzlies very closely, that might come as a surprise. But if you're a Thunder fan, uh, you know what I mean. And if you were uh, a Pelicans fan, you know, the, for the time he was there, you you know what I mean. Steven Adams, when it terms when it terms of rebounding, uh, screen assists, uh, he is elite. Uh, arguably the best at each of those categories, especially offensive uh, rebounding and things like that. Uh, but uh, the way he creates extra possessions for a team that, granted, over the last two years hasn't been the most efficient offense. Like having that guy uh, when your half-court offense breaks down to just, here, give you another opportunity, take the ball off the glass, give you another opportunity, that's been so big for the Grizzlies. The screen setting, everyone was looking forward to seeing. You know, we saw the, the, the report that he and Desmond Bain have together. We, this was going to be the first time we were going to see him on the floor with Luke Kennard and potentially Desmond Bain at the same time. Two shooters, uh, the NBA's best screen assist man uh, to date. So uh, it, it it's just a huge ripple effect. I can go down everyone on the roster and say why this affects their standing. And another one that it really stands out with is Jaron Jackson Jr. We all know the national uh, talk with Jaron Jackson Jr. There's two things that really stand out, right? There's the foul trouble. And then there's the rebounding. You know, people like to pile on him for those two things. Well, guess what? You know what one player helps out with both of those categories simply by himself? It's Steven Adams. It's because uh, take this last preseason game for the Bucs against, uh, for example. Uh, Jaron fouled out in the third quarter against Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, granted, you know, it's a preseason game, so Grizzlies didn't really care to take him out. But he fouled out. He had six fouls, you know, pretty quickly. If Steven Adams plays in that preseason game, more than likely what the Grizzlies would have done is say, hey, we'll put Steven Adams on Giannis. We'll put Jaron on Brooke Lopez and kind of keep Jaron, you know, off the ball a little bit more, which which allows him to kind of help help and, you know, protect the rim and, and be that guy who kind of just comes from the weak side, just flies around the floor. And that's how he got so many blocks last season. 
You know, sure, he did get a lot of blocks when he was man-to-man against guys, but a lot of them came when he just was in help defense. So Steven Adams helps him out drastically in that area. Of course, he covers up uh, Jaren's mistakes with the rebounding as well. He's just a huge loss, man. This is, this is one that the Grizzlies are going to feel. And they still don't have Brandon Clark with no timetable yet on the Achilles recovery for him. So that's a lot of money to have locked up at your five spot and, and, and at, you know, just not playing basketball. Roughly about $25 million, I think, between those two guys for your five spot. You know, how much does this even alter the Grizzlies rotation now, DeMichael? Because not only, so now, I mean, you're missing Jaw for the first 25 games. Uh, mm-hmm. You're missing now Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark. Like, what does this do to the Grizzlies rotation here, at least in the beginning part of the season? Well, luckily for them, they've been here. You know, uh, we just saw it last season in, in the case where Xavier Tillman started 29 games for the Grizzlies. Uh, we talked about Steve Adams and Brandon Clark. By March of last season, both of those players were completely moved, removed from the rotation. And it was mainly Jaron Jackson Jr., Santi Aldama, and Xavier Tillman. Jaron's best month of the NBA season last year was March. He averaged over 20 points per game, and that's when we saw uh, his role kind of increased. You know, no no uh, Brandon Clark after he, he tore his Achilles in early March. Uh, no Steven Adams since late January, but he really got after it in March, Jaron, that is. And in April, he averaged over 30 points per game in a very small sample size uh, in regular season games. Playoffs, he was a little bit up and down. But uh, that's They've been here. You know, we know the guys that are pretty much going to get the minutes. It also creates an opportunity for, uh, you know, one of the NBA fan favorites out there, Kenneth Lofton Jr. You know, a lot of uh, the NBA fans love him. Now love he's a me guy. some Kenny Lofton. Let's go. <laughs> man, a, a lot of people love him, man. A lot of people love him. But now he's a guy who can potentially factor into that backup center spot behind Xavier Tillman. So now he gets a real rotation shot. Santi and Jaron pretty much are here power forward guys locked in now we're going to see more of those guys at the five you know jaren at the five a little bit more with santi on the floor alongside of them those type of lineups so the grizzlies will mix and match more but at the end of the day it's not anything we've seen before all these guys are returning players on the team so they've been here before can the grizzlies though afford demichael to just let Steven Adams sit out this year, right? Let him rehab, let Brand, you know, obviously no timetable yet for Brandon Clark, or do they need to be proactive in potentially trying to find a move for, you know, either one, if not both of those guys to actually bring in a contributor, whether it's a contributor at that five spot, or maybe it's just a contributor, right? Basically a different way to allocate that 25 million. Cause that's a lot of money to have you just sitting on your payroll without actually turning into, you know, meaningful basketball on the floor. Man, that, that's a lot of money, and it's, it's for a team that wants to contend right now. You know, you bring in these vets like Derrick Rose, Marcus Smart. They're not coming over here just to be satisfied with being a, a five or six seed or a play-in type team. They want to come over here and experience what the Grizzlies experienced the last couple of years and being a top two seed in the Western Conference and then add on, you know, uh, to that playoff uh, level experience. So I get the feeling that there's, there's more to come. Uh, I, I think – the Grizzlies are in a unique situation. Most everyone, I said most, everyone knows that John Moran is suspended right now. He's suspended 25 games. And because of that 25-game suspension, there are some potential loopholes. So one loophole that the Grizzlies could potentially explore is the fact that after the first five games of John Moran's suspension, the Grizzlies have the option of moving him to the exempt list uh, in the NBA. And if he's moved to the exempt list, that creates a roster spot, basically a 16th roster spot for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies have 15 guaranteed contracts right now. If you look up and down the roster, 
uh, a lot of those guys, you really don't see the Grizzlies releasing. So that 16th spot is crucial for a team like this where they don't have just a, you know, a unanimous guy that could just, you know, they could just cut, cut loose and fill that 15th spot with. But a lot of people say, hey, now you you use that exempt that exemplist uh, extra spot, and you'll get twenty games to get a look at some free agent center out there potentially. And based on how that twenty games go, then you reevaluate after that point. Uh, because when John comes back, then of course he'll regain his roster spot, and you'll likely have to let that player go or make another corresponding move. But the fact that you get that twenty game sample size to say, hey, let's see how this works. Let's see if this player you know brings something we don't have, or it's like, eh. Xavier Tillman is better than that. We'll be fine. But basically, they have that option. That's one I think they could potentially explore. But then there's a couple other ones. You know, Jackson, you're very familiar with the trade player exception that they picked up in the Dylan Brooks signing trade. That's another one. It's about $7.5 million. They could potentially look to dangle that in a trade and pick up a big that way. So they have options. They have the the ability to be creative with what they do. And at the end of the day, if they want, if they have championship aspirations and this lineup isn't uh, cutting it, Memphis has options on the table where they can go out and make something happen. The other storyline I'm so intrigued by going into the season with with Ja missing time, now no Steven Adams. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're kind of poised for uh, you know, Desmond Bain to take yet another leap in his career. I think this could be, especially again, this first chunk of the season, right? This is basically gonna be Desmond Bain's team out there. Man, I Jackson, I, I hesitate a little bit because I've watched this guy, you know, last couple seasons and just seen the gradual improvement in his game. But watching Desmond Bain play, it's it's that he he has that that smoothness to his game, uh, like a like a Clay Thompson, you know, when he's at his peak efficiency, like a Devin Booker when he's just snaking through the defense and getting to wherever he wants to get on the floor. Like this year in particular, like in the preseason, everything's come so easy to him. And when I say that, you know, it's you can tell Desmond Bain is saying, hey, I want to shoot right there and I'm about to get to that spot. In the past, he was scoring 20 points, but it was he was only scoring based on the only shots that he could get because he was limited in being able to get certain shots. Now he's he's going off the dribble. He's playmaking. You know, he's a secondary creator in the offense. Uh, he's they're running off ball screens for him and, and getting him open off the ball like it's going to be tough, like. The first 25 games, defenses will know that, hey, we got to lock in on Desmond Bain, but it won't be that simple. It Think Steph Curry, right? And not not in terms of, you know, the player, but I'm talking about the way that he's been moving off the ball, he's been on the ball. The What makes Steph Curry so tough to guard, along with his, you know, supernatural ability to shoot the basketball, is the fact that you can say, hey, I got Steph Curry tonight. But you, you're 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 going to be running from three point line to three point line. Uh, he's going to play on the ball. Next possession, he's going to be off the ball. And when he's off the ball, he's going to be running all over the place. They're going to set down screens for him. He's going to do back cuts. That's kind of how the Grizzlies have used Desmond Bain in the preseason. He's pretty much getting looks from each and every type of uh you know uh play in, in the book for the Grizzlies. And I think. He, he's in for a big year. Uh, West guards are deep, but uh, Desmond Bain, is he, he's knocking that door down. He, he's knocking on that door for sure. Knocking on the door of a potential all-star appearance, you mean? Yeah. I I, I mean, he's right in that conversation. Look, okay. last season, last season before the toe injury, he was at about 25, 5, and 5. That's kind of where he was in the preseason as well, and he didn't play in the fourth quarter in any games. Uh, 
we'll see, you know, without Jaw on the floor, he's, I think his efficiency will be fine. And uh, he, he's going to have every opportunity to at least be in the conversation. I think, you know, West guards are too deep. But if, you know, you know how it usually works out pretty much every year, an injury here, an injury there, whatever the case may be, uh, he could be one of those top guys, you know, uh, to factor into that conversation as, as one of the reserve spots in the West. How will the Grizzlies ultimately navigate this season now that they know they don't have Steven Adams for the entire year? Is a trade on the way to help kind of, you know, supplement that front court action? And could we see Desmond Bain become an all-star for the Grizzlies this season? You'll have us covered for all that and more over at Locked on Grizzlies. Michael, thanks for stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Appreciate you, Jackson. Appreciate you having me, man. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked On NBA. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.